Let's say, what if you were going through some pretty good trial? Going through a trial. You say, yeah, I'm going through one right now, right? <laughs> and uh, I burst into the room. I start exclaiming, praise be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. You just inherited $100 million. Ah, yeah. Things start changing a little bit there, right? That'd make a little difference, wouldn't it? Now, that may not solve all the problems, but uh, it does have a way of opening up maybe new options on how we can uh, work through this, doesn't it? Well, with that much money, at least you could take a good, nice vacation, take a little respite, and uh, think it over a little bit, right? A little bit of daydreaming sometimes about how uh, maybe that could happen. Maybe that could lift our spirits up. (laughs) Um, But back to reality, folks. You didn't win $100 million. (laughs) But I want to tell you, you inherited something far better. Matter of fact, you inherited much more than a hundred billion dollars. I mean, if if that's all we would get for the rest of eternity, that'd be really, really bad. Blessed be God, because He has given us much more than a hundred million dollars. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope, and we know that because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we are going to obtain an inheritance, and we've already been guaranteed of that. And we actually are getting in on some of it right now. You know, the blessings there, but there's something that goes beyond this little realm that we happen to be living in now. And so we get to look at this uh, one section of Sackley verses 4 and 5 of this first uh, chapter of 1 Peter, and it's dealing with this inheritance. So after we see that he had great mercy, he saw our pitiful condition, and because of his good pleasure and his good will, he caused you to be born again. You now have that living hope, and now we see that this is going to take us all the way on into the rest of eternity. So let's read verse 4. To obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, and undefiled, and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There are some more words that just stick out. uh, You get the word inheritance here. And this is dealing with a portion which one receives either by virtue of birth or by a special gift. That's kind of the the idea, the meaning of uh, inheritance. And that is pulled over into the New New Testament. And so we think of some passages that deal with that. Uh, You can't miss it in Ephesians, for instance. Ephesians 1, and that that word is definitely rich. More reasons than one. I, I know in verse 3 he talks about we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He uses the word inheritance finally in verse 11. Where he says, Also we have obtained, already, already obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to His purpose, 
who works all things after the counsel of His will to the end that we who were the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of His glory. Uh, inheritance. Now, because we're Christians, because we're born again, um, this thing has already started. But, uh, there's, there's more to come. Look in verse 14. Who is given, as he's talking about the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. It's a down payment. A, a guarantee. With a view to the redemption the completion of all this, of God's own possession to the praise of His glory. That's the way that one sentence finally ends. From verse 3 through 14 is all one sentence in the Greek. (laughs) And he closes it off with that. We have the Holy Spirit who is the very guarantee of that inheritance. You say, well, how do I know? Well, the Holy Spirit (laughs) who lives inside us has convinced us. I don't have to convince anybody here that we have an inheritance to come. (laughs) You You already know that. But it's uh, really good to think about, isn't it? Then in verse 18, I pray, this is in his prayer, that they'd all have this spiritual wisdom. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened right now so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. The riches of the glory of his inheritance. That $100 million really doesn't sound like much anymore, does it? <laughs> um, go to Colossians 1.12. problem is, sometimes we just don't feel like we have this rich inheritance. Colossians 1.12. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us you know what? I don't qualify for anything. I've been realizing that really a lot lately. I don't qualify for anything. (laughs) Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. We're qualified because the Father did it. Qualified with all the rest. We share with the rest of the saints the inheritance that God has given. Matthew 25, 34. All the way back into the Gospels. I haven't quite partaken in that. <laughs> so much of that I, I, I can identify. That's pretty good, yeah. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. There we go again. It goes all the way back. God had you in mind. <laughs> it was in His will. He, he, he prepared this way back then. And He says, and when the time comes, the King is here, says, you're blessed of the Father Come on in. Inherit the kingdom. Inherit the kingdom. What is the Sermon on the Mount when it talks about the kingdom? Um, Blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The ones who are poor in spirit are the ones who 
have the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the gentle, for they shall inherit the earth. Boy, those are those are just really rich. Go to Acts twenty six. Still dealing with the inheritance for a moment. In verse eighteen. Paul is talking about when he was converted. And um, he's talking here in verse 18 to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and not only that, and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. What does it use there? Okay. Ultimately, it's the same kind of thing there, you know. Of course, an inheritance is dealing with the place, it's dealing with the person, and it's dealing with all the blessings, the spiritual blessings, all the things. Uh, Psalm 16. We'll go back to the Old Testament just for a moment. The Lord is the portion. Remember, we kind of defined um, inheritance by a, a portion that you receive. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. There's that word place. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. We have a beautiful inheritance, heritage, place. The Lord is the portion. Of course, it all starts with Him. It's all about Him anyway. That's that's what it is. So there are just a few uh, references. Now, in our verse 3, in 1 Peter 1... Peter is praising God. And I know that there are people, and we've done it before too, somewhere along the line, will say, no, wait a minute. I don't know, I just don't feel like praising God right now because you don't know this complex problem that I'm dealing with. If you only knew the problems that I am facing. Ever notice that people always think that the problems they're going through is the first time anybody's ever gone through that problem? Or they are the ones that have the worst problems and they're the only ones that go through it because everybody else has it all scot-free and they're just doing perfect, right? <laughs> How many times have you heard that? I can identify that. Um, you know about the pie in the sky? You know, sometimes when we think of what's in the future, you know, people say, "Well, that's that pie in the sky stuff." You know, I'll have my pie in the sky when I die. You know, but right now, what am I going to do now? I'm being treated unfairly uh, with the people I'm dealing with, uh, or at work, uh, or I'm facing financial problems, or I have a mate who's not a Christian. How many times have you ran into that? You know, or a good friend turned against me. Uh, with with no cause, and and uh, he's running me down behind my back. And hey, ever since I've become a Christian, 
the problems that I had have multiplied. They've become worse than I ever had before. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed. And some people are even facing death itself and then all the physical things that come about. And Peter writes this verse. How insensitive of Peter to be saying verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His great mercy has caused us to be born again. Well, we'll see the kind of people that he was dealing with. And if you look in chapter 2, verse 18, look at a few of these. Servants. Here were slaves who were being mistreated. Slaves, how would you like to be a slave just for that? But then to be mistreated. Be submissive to your master. Right, right. With all respect. But you don't know how they treat me. Not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. For this finds favor. If for the sake of conscience toward God, a person bears up under sorrows when suffering unjustly. But you don't know the situation that I'm in. Take them to this verse. <laughs> For what credit is there if when you sin and are harshly treated, you endure it with patience? But if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. God likes that. He looks upon that with favor. Hmm. This should help well. <laughs> For this you have been called... Wow. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? That's right. That's right. That, Peter got this thing down. Yeah, that's the next verse there. I didn't read that. But I knew somebody would. <laughs> uh, well, we were called to be happy and wealthy and healthy and, you know. Blessed, right? Blessed. That's that's what people think they're getting into when they get into Christianity, and they are blessed. But well, but right, right. And matter of fact, it's funny that you say that because when we get down into verse four, we see what kind of inheritance that we have. That's like imperishable, and yeah, but that's good. That leads us up. Hey, why don't you come? On? This, you just you just said what's coming up. I mean. You, you didn't see this coming, did you? <laughs> oh, Peter, so practical. Uh, by the way, these verses are great for not only ourselves, but in case somebody ever comes up with those kind of things, and I tell you what, they will. <laughs> People always, especially when they're really, everybody's against them. Everything's against them. Man, go to First Peter. Boy, that gets the priorities straightened real quick. Look in chapter 3 and somebody say, but you don't know my husband. Or you don't know my wife. <laughs> Right? Well, here we go. How about the, the mistreatment that wives have from husbands? In the same way, you wives, be submissive. Oh, he said that to the slaves. Well, it's subject, wasn't it? That was dealing with obedience. Um, here it's, well, no, it's submissive. I think that's the same Greek word. Be submissive. Fall in rank in, in, in order, in, in line the way that God has designed. You're not uh, less than them, but be submissive to your own husband. So that, why? Even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. Talking about an unbelieving husband. As they observe your chaste and respectful behavior, your adornment must not merely external, braiding the hair, wearing gold, jewelry, putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. 
For in this way in former times the holy women, also who hoped in God, used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have become her children if you do what is right, without being frightened by any fear. So Peter is writing to the mistreated slaves. We'll write something practical that we can understand, whether it be at the job or at home, uh, just in the own family, the way it's being treated. And go back to chapter 2, verse 12. Here's some other things that were happening. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. People who are slandering you. Chapter 3, verse 16. These are some of the people that Peter is writing to. Keep a good conscience so that in the things in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than for doing what is wrong. What? For it is better if God should will it so so that God would even will that that would happen. This is part of the life that He has assigned us. We can't expect everything to go rosy, can we? But God has designed it that way so that He would form us the way that He wants. Wow. Boy, this this Christianity thing is a lot different than what I thought, right? People coming in and hearing that kind of thing. Do I really want to get involved with that? In all this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation and they malign you. They're going to give account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. Um, here, and all of us would recognize this, we used to party and hang out or be with other people and everything. Of course, I'm talking about you guys. You guys never really had a chance to do that, did you? I can't identify with that. No, you don't know them, really. I yeah, that. <laughs> Should have seen what you saw. <laughs> Remember those days, those people that we hung out with, and all of a sudden we don't go to the same places, and those people don't like to be around us anymore because we're not doing the same things, and it's like you're not like what you used to be. And they're saying that negatively. I remember there was uh, the Minnesota Twins had Gary Gaetti, who was a third baseman, and there was Kent Herbeck at first base. And Eldon probably remember them, right? And Gaetti became a Christian during that time. And Kent Herbeck didn't. And Gaetti used to really like to have a good time. And they'd go out to the clubs and the bars and they'd do what you do there and everything. I mean, he was a partier. And all of a sudden, Gaetti didn't do it anymore. And Kent Herbeck was really, just absolutely... Uh, blown away by by him, by his change. And he didn't like it. He hated it. He even told the people in the news about it. I remember Gary Gaetti made the all-star team, had a glove, and it was something like, God is number one. You know, he held it up like that. Something like that. Jesus is number one. I don't know. Um, but anyway, it just destroyed Kent Herbeck. They were the best of friends until Gaetti became Christian. And of course, I think some of those kind of things might have happened to us. So people say, oh, you're just not the same. You ever had that happen? <laughs> anyway, um, 
verse 13 through 16 in chapter 4. It is a, in a way, it's, it's you kind of like that, but at the same time, you, you get a little bit of persecution in that sense. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Peter, so that also at the revelation of His glory, you know where He just keeps pointing to the glory that is to come. You may rejoice with exultation if you are reviled for the name of Christ. You are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, or a thief, or evildoer, or a troublesome peddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian. He is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. Peter just keeps going on with this, doesn't he? Because uh, that was the kind of people he was having to talk to, uh, what they were going through. I mean, it was real. I mean, this was really tough stuff. And some of them were maybe possibly even being martyred or close to it. Peter knew about these problems. That's why he's writing the letter and he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's not just something that's just thrown in there just to be taking up a little bit of space. (laughs) There's so much to it. Um, Yeah. Right. That is far worse than the little bitty thing that we might have to suffer through here. For those, like if they don't believe in the gospel, what do they have waiting for them? So, if the idea of future inheritance in heaven doesn't really affect you as you face the present world, one of two things. One may not be truly saved. If it really doesn't affect you. Or if it doesn't affect you, you could be a Christian. But what kind of form of Christianity do you believe in? Where did you get the doctrine that everything is going to go pretty smooth? Or, of course, we we pick on Joel Osteen a lot. Can't help it. That's just a present bestseller, your best life now. But that theology has been around for a long time. Uh, we might may not buy into that horrible theology. None of us here. I don't have to tell you about that. I know that. Um, but sometimes, let's face it, all of us, when things aren't going well, we may not be too happy or content with what's happening in our life and we wonder why God isn't doing something about it. What's he? He's not doing anything. Well, this shooting in Connecticut, a lot of Christians that I know and at work are really questioning why would God let that happen right those children they were innocent children they, they, they're just, they just get it yep boy there's there's some great answers that you know we can really come up with you know, just just basic biblical truth you know we, we have to be thinking about them and praying you know and and uh Realizing it, that's a terrible tragedy, and at the same time, um, realizing the reality of what a sinful world is, and that way we can point to, you know, it's uh, they're going to try to come up with all sorts of solutions. They're already starting to work on on the guns, taking away some of the uh, the clip type guns and and such. They'll start with that. You, you know, this is a perfect thing. Now they're going to do what they want to do. They've already talked about this, but. 
Uh, guns don't kill. People kill. It's, it's the nature. It's, it's what's in, in the man. You can, that's how are you going to use uh, what is there? They take the Christ out of the school. It's amazing that it doesn't happen more often. Yeah. Everywhere. And you know what's really interesting? In Chicago in 2012, there have been over 436 uh, kids, school kids, that have been killed by guns. By, by, or not by guns, but by people using guns, shooting. And, and what did you say? Their laws are the toughest ones around. Toughest ones in, in the nation, in Chicago. Bad people are always going to find You got it. Guns. They're going to. And who are the bad people? Well, we'd be one too, but only through through the person of Christ. So our hearts is that would we want to? Why would anybody want to kill? Well, there sure are a lot of people out there killing. And when you realize that people will kill for money, they'll kill for just just absolutely crazy. Who know what they'll do? But if uh, you know uh, anybody is capable of killing, and of course you take it down to Jesus' level, you find out that or act up to his level. <laughs> That we're all murderers in the sense of what we think of people if we don't think of well of them. So, yeah, uh, it is a sinful world. And that's obviously going to be the reason. And it's a Christmas time. It's a great opportunity, too, of saying, you know, it's found in the Christmas story. Yeah. If they want to talk Christmas. Yeah. Kind of limited, or very much limited, but at the same time, um, you have to be real careful how you do it. But hey, it's a good time of the year as far as Christmas to go ahead and say, "Well, the Christmas story," and uh, you know, you use try to use wisdom with with each one. But uh, you're told absolutely not to be talking about those kind of things. But it's kind of funny at this time of the year you can do that, and then when you have kids asking about that or talking and talking about UFOs and all that, you can't help but want to get a little bit of truth in there when you hear that. So that was a concern that she had, and uh, so she was able to to give uh, some of the truth of the gospel out while trying to be careful. And uh, hey, opportunities will arise. Might be small opportunities, it might be big situations, but Lord sure works in that. Um, you know, people would like for God to be a genie. And whenever something goes wrong, boom, just comes in, just like that. And, and He keeps things from happening or He gives us everything that we want. Everything is all just cherry, man, all the time. It's just, everything's all perfect. Well, that'd be the case or it'd be in heaven. And that'd be fine too, wouldn't it? He's going to use it. Isn't he? We just don't see it. He's controlling it. And that's the thing. That's why Peter's reminding because we'll always go back to these things. I'm saying, well, some people that way, you know what? We all tend to do this. We, we get unhappy and, and discontent sometimes. Now, I'm not, I'm not coming down on anybody here, but it's, that is the fleshly thing that wants to always do that. And here's what Peter's saying. Hey, remember this. Oh, we've got to be reminded, don't we? Um, Anybody ever heard a guy by the name of Reverend Ike? Uh, never heard of a Reverend Ike? But you've heard of him, haven't you? Yeah, me too. I think he was used to have a, a TV ministry. Um, anyway, he's one of those guys that would be the health wealth thing. 
Uh, here's what he used to say. I don't want my pie in the sky when I die. I want cash in the stash here and now. <laughs> here and now. See, this thing has always been around. They're in it for the good. Uh, you can go back to Simon Magus. Right there in the book of Acts. Uh, immediately we see something happen right there uh, with, with Peter. And he wanted the, the Holy Spirit so he, he could put on a show for people and make a lot more money as he was one who dabbled in the arts. <laughs> and but So he wanted it for his own, own good. And a lot of people have Christianity in that way. They want the good life now. That's why we kept emphasizing that now because that's what we're talking about. Okay, we have this thing. Here's what God has done and He's caused us to be born again and we're in the now. Uh, the only thing is Peter knows what's hap- what happens in the now. But there also is a future. Uh, but whenever some people f- profess to be Christians and then they see what goes on in the first year, pretty pretty soon usually some things start happening, a lot of them start shopping elsewhere. Because Christianity is not what I thought it was. Somebody told me it was a wonderful plan for my life. And so I'm looking for that wonderful plan. And it often means enjoying the riches of Christ in the midst of suffering. And perhaps even martyrdom. Peter knows this. So I I think uh, Christians, I fear we've gotten far away from the eternal perspective sometimes. We complain about our trials. We're not happy in life, whether it's whatever. Uh, we've, we really need to be reminded of the terrors of hell from which God brought us out of to the in, eternal inheritance that we're looking at here in these verses. And when we start thinking about that, now we have the eternal perspective in our minds rather than Look what's happening. I mean, you're talking... This, this is how all people should really be geared to on, on what Christianity is. I mean, it's, this is great. He's given us everything, but it's not happening maybe necessarily now. I don't feel it. It is. God's doing His thing. Um, I like in Romans 8.17... If, if there is an inheritance, that means there are heirs. H-E-I-R-S. And Romans 8.17. Remember this one? You know, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we're children of God. You like that? We're children of God. We're in the family. And if children, heirs also. Heirs, heirs of who? Heirs of God. And fellow heirs with Christ. If indeed we, here we go again, suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified with Him. He always gets things in perspective. I hear a little bit of bad news. Be checking yourself. Be checking your sin and everything. Oh, by the way, you're saved by the very grace of God and glory of God. But be checking yourself. Make sure that you're living the Christian life out. (laughs) But it's all by God's grace. Do you always see the balance? I think there's just balance in every Scripture. And if you don't see it in that Scripture, just read the next verse. But he put it right there. In in verse 16, he says we're children of God. But then in 17, children, we're heirs heirs of God. We're we're fellow heirs with Christ. Can you think of anything better ever that that we are? And then he says, oh, by by the way, you're going to prove it 
because you will have suffering times. But, don't forget, you're going to be glorified. This is the Gospel. Uh, um, Jim Baker. You remember all the things that, that he went through. He had his TV show and he had all the health, wealth, gospel and everything. Well, he wound up going to prison. A lot of us know the story. We remember the news and everything. You guys are probably going, who's that? But I'll tell you the good news out of that. The good news is he went to, the, he went to prison and he studied the Bible. Never really did that before, but he, he just took in what he had heard all those friends and everybody that come and invite on the show and all those great, amazing theologians. <laughs> they weren't theologians, were they? But anyway, started checking things out. Saw some things in the Gospels, some things that Jesus said. He says, huh, that sure isn't familiar with what I've been talking about. And then he started looking at passages like this in, in Peter. <laughs> Uh, or like in Romans there. And guess what? He saw that he was wrong. He wrote a book called I Was Wrong. He was able to admit that he had a wrong theology. And he was lost in this midst of a bunch of junk, which is um, all that you can get out of life right now. That's what it's all about. And he realized that, no, it's, you just keep seeing these scriptures over and over again. Um, the the gospel is quite a bit different than the way that many are proclaiming. <laughs> Hebrews nine. Uh oh, is he doing that again? Yeah, he's oh, sorry. Really? Is he doing the same thing again? I hope he's not doing the same thing again. Okay. Alright. Thought I had a good illustration. That. I didn't even have that written down. It just came to my mind. I shouldn't have done that. The book is excellent, but I think he got pulled away again by the prison. Same things that he was pulled away by the first time. It's pretty alluring. Big house, lots of money, lots of fame and glory. And well, when you have it right there, it's hard to argue with. Hebrews 9.15 Talking about Christ, talking about the covenant, talking about the mediator. For this reason, He is the mediator of a new covenant. So that, since a death has taken place, for the redemption of the transgressions that were committed under the first covenant... Those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. If you're in that covenant, if you've been called, you have a promise, it's an eternal inheritance. So let's go through the excellencies of this inheritance. Now Peter's saying that our salvation is an inheritance that's kept in heaven. He says to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, and undefiled will not fade away. Christ Himself, He, you know, He is our inheritance. Then there are also, also different things that He's included, all the provisions, all the things He provides us that He purchased with His blood. It's so vast, uh, so indescribable. I mean, 
how can we know what all this is? I mean, it's we have an idea, but we have not yet begun to see all that it is. It's going to be uh, something that that's the reason we have to die and get a glorified body. You know, this cannot inherit the kingdom of God. I have to be changed in that way. So, Peter starts describing in a negative way, I guess you could say, its inheritance which is imperishable or not perishable. And the word is aftartas, and it means not corruptible, not subject to dying or decay. Matthew 6.20 says, lay up treasures, what? In heaven. Build on that, right? Where moth and rust doth not corrupt, and thieves do not break through and steal. Put the treasure. uh, Invest into the kingdom, into that uh, eternal kingdom. Things are uh, imperishable there. They're incorruptible. Uh, They will not pass away. Um, They will not decay. Uh, And if you think of it in a secular language, as far as the Greek were concerned, um, it was a concept that was referring to uh, an army that would come in and just ravage a city. uh, So the way that they thought they would use that, but we see that also it's dealing with uh, not decaying and not corruption. Another word is uh, undefiled. And that word is amiatos, and a lot of these words you don't really run into. Usually I'll put words in there, something that you might have seen before. So what's that mean? But in, in the Greek it means unstained. It means to not be polluted. Not having any uh, impurities. And you look in the world, and you realize that everything in the world is defiled. It's all defiled. It's all polluted. It's all corrupt, ultimately. Uh, if we are, then the rest of creation was. There's nothing that's really, really perfect. Uh, but when you think of it in a man, definitely, right? Paul, like in uh, Philippians 3, uh, we see how self-righteous he was before he became a Christian. And I mean, if any man had it together, it was him, right? And then he saw that it was all rubbish. That's found in verses 7-9. through nine. His Self-righteousness was defiled. It was stained. It was really rubbish, but it looked good. It looked good to everybody. So the riches can look good. The, the works that we do can, can look good. Our earthly riches, it's all corrupt. You know, a new car, a new car will rust. <laughs> it won't take too long. Over the course of years, it will finally rust. It's interesting. I was going to use a, an illustration on, uh, on Zach, but I don't know if it's fair to do that now. I was going to do it as a, as a funny... But you know, he, had, he got a new car, right? Because he had had the wreck. That was not his fault. Insurance, it, came it came through. Uh, God took care of him pretty well. And, and so they got a, a brand new car. And so within, what, another week or so, he showed me out there Sunday where an, a big old owl hit it. As he drives <laughs> driving down the road, of all things, an owl come along and you know hit the, uh, the, the headlight. But it didn't break it. But it, it did kind of smudge it up, and it's just funny, you know, a funny story. But then he looked down, what's that? And he saw a little crack, <laughs> and it wasn't in the the headlight. But he hadn't seen that, and, and you know, this thing was brand new. <laughs> and you're going, you can have something as new as can be, and the Lord sometimes can just find ways of rubbing the new off of it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we built a new truck off the parking lot. I mean, just. 
half a mile from where we got it, and somebody in a truck. Don't tell me. Stone and windshield, right? No, no, got a big dent in the side of the car. <laughs> <laughs> and we hadn't even had it. You can not even get it home. Uh, these earthly things, Mm -hmm. even as good as they're made, the best that they can be, as new as they can be, and we have no guarantee of them, you know, lasting for a a long time. Uh, You know, we we laugh at this, but, you know, at at the time, it's sure not funny. You know? (laughs) 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 Uh, Even our, you can have a new house. You can live in there for a while and start have to fix things up. You know, a roof. You know, roof's only what you know, twenty, twenty-five years, usually best. That sounds like a long time. Yeah, but when you least want to replace a roof, and by the way, I'm not. I don't have roof problems right now. <laughs> but just <laughs> I've been quiet about that. <laughs> but you know, you can have a bunch of money just stashed away. But inflation can happen, and, and a shifting economy. You know, um, you know your treasure that you have might be stolen. Uh, it, it's going to wind down. It's it's going to decay. It's going to corrode. Right? It's going to corrupt. But those things aren't placed in heaven, and uh, they can't last. What's that? No. Yeah, I'm just thinking of an article in the paper. A guy had died, and and uh, they looked in his garage, and he had just stashes of old coins that he picked up here and there through his lifetime, and amounted to seven point one million dollars. It was all gold, and gold, of course, went from he had been collecting it since the '60s, went from about four hundred dollars an ounce to about seventeen hundred dollars an ounce. But he's dead now. And his garage is full of old coins. And so it really didn't do him any good. <laughs> yeah, pavement. Well, even people that aren't dead, they're pretty made off. Yeah. <laughs> Not doing yeah. any good either. Yeah. This is this is just truth. This is just truth. Peter knows it. Imperishable, undefiled, will not fade away. All of these don't really have to go into the Greek to find out, do you? To not wither, to uh, to be free from the ravages of time, whatever that brings. You know, the blight of earthly blooms. A good thought of that is like a flower. Flower comes up and blooms, and it's amazing. They can be so beautiful, and they just fade. He said, "Why can't they just be out there the whole summer long?" I always thought that's the way it was whenever I was a kid. I'd see, you know, I didn't care for roses and flowers, but uh, it's kind of, it's all right, you know. But you, you grow older and you start appreciating those kind of things even more because you know where it comes from, what it's about. And irises can be so beautiful. And they're out for a little bit in the spring, and then that's it. And you think of other, other flowers that come out, and it, it's like God gives a little glimpse. He says, but that's the way things are. I'll give you this, but does. Different way of looking at things when you're a Christian, isn't it? Yeah, Just to bad, have anything. Bad things are bad. That's right. This is all encouraging, isn't it? We can enjoy this. this and this is why Peter is 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 doing this. Uh, 
um, grass will fade, flowers will fall off. And then he says, reserved in heaven for you. Reserved. That means to guard. Uh, it's guarded in heaven. It's presently under guard in heaven. Whatever all this means, <laughs> heaven will never have an invading army coming in, a thief that comes in. It'll let, never lay waste, and all the beauty of this inheritance that is there will never be defaced in any way, and it will not have to be replaced. It will always be as fresh as it always is. And uh, so, the treasure is secure. Huh. Now, who? Now he talks about us believers who are protected by the power of God. The question then is, okay, I know what God has done in the past, and I know what God is doing in the future, and what He's going to do. But there's a problem. Now, <laughs> what about now? What about the time between a new birth? Remember, He caused us to be born again to living hope, and the final salvation. This time that we live here. What about that? What about all those temptations, the pressures, the anxieties, the weariness, the persecution, the frustrations, <laughs> the sufferings, the confusion, the perplexity, the, all the fears that come on us? What about all those that we have to deal with on a daily basis? All those traps. Does God do anything about it? We know what He's done, know what He's going to do, but what about now? Well, I want to tell you, God just doesn't stand back and watch and say, I'm having a field day. Look at this. Look what I'm going to do here. <laughs> just for the fun of it. No, He caused us to be born again. And He uses His divine power to protect us through this life that is in a sinful world for the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the, in the last time. God just doesn't stand back <laughs> after He causes us to be born again. He's doing everything that must be done to guarantee our final eternal salvation. And He will guarantee, He guarantees it. It will happen. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So He uses that word, who are protected by the power of God. That's a military term. You know what it means? To guard or protect. <laughs> really got you in on a secret there, right? Your translation already says that, doesn't it? Easy to understand. We're protected. What do you have? Shielded. You think of a military there, don't you? Oh, yeah. That's good. That's real good. And that's I think that's very fitting because that word and the Greek is is very militaristic, mm -hmm. and uh, what a what a defense that is there. As we are here, he's he's shielding us, he's protecting us. And of course, you can think, well, what's he protecting us from? Well, First uh, Peter five eight says, "Be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. But he's going to keep us from being devoured." Uh, chapter 2, verse 11. Peter. Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers...
to abstain from fleshly lust which wage war against the soul. He can keep us from being swallowed up by the things of the flesh that desire so much lust. And so He protects us there. Um, when you think about it, you know, this this whole idea, He's protecting uh, His elect from, we know there's a deal about um, ready to be revealed, and that's the not yet chasm that that he's down there underneath. You know, he he's in that chasm and he's holding uh, the chain of our salvation, and he also is having he has that chain that will take us on into the future, and he's the one forging those together as we live through our life. Just taking that from the Piper illustration last week. There's danger on the way to salvation in heaven. There's danger there. That's what Peter's saying here. And so we, we have to have ongoing protection always. And our security doesn't mean we are home free and we get out of this scot-free without any wounds or battle scars because we're in a battle. There's a battle to be fought and this battle we need protection, don't we? And He's protected. He's shielding us. And He's protecting us. Our protection comes from who? From God. Um, all the way to heaven. All the way to heaven He's going to do that. doesn't mean there's no battle. But God will fight for us. He will fight for And His skills are infallible. <laughs> they are perfect. Omnipotent power. How can we lose? And the means that He uses is faith. Because, he says, who are protected by the power of God through faith. He caused us to be born again by, listen to this, He created our faith and then He protects us on the way to heaven. He says, okay, I've given you faith, right? He created our faith. He caused us to be born again. And then He protects us on the way to heaven by preserving our faith. We persevere because He preserves. I like that preservation better than persevere. Because it means something He's doing. Where did I hear that the other day? Bob, Bob, you were telling me about that. I like that word much better than persevere. Persevere has something it means to endure, but it almost implies we have to hold on to this, or if we, if we fail, we, we might not make it there. But preserve means He's going to make sure that we will. Yeah, we will persevere because he will. Right, right, and so it always comes back to him, and that's the whole point of this this passage. Even though we have to deal with these things, yet he's the one that actually is has assigned these things to come here too, though. But he will protect us as he goes. He's a good God. So faith, we know Ephesians two eight it says. Um, that faith is granted to us. He causes us to be born again by creating our faith, protects us on the way to heaven, and preserves our faith. Then we know that salvation is ready to be revealed. That reveal is uh, a veil. Um, like the book of Revelation is an unveiling. It's unveiling Jesus Christ. Well, here the, the veiling will happen. I mean, we will see Christ as He is. We'll see um, the kingdom as it is. We will see... Uh, what this whole aspect of what is waiting for us uh, will be shown. So, you know what our security is in? This is the way that John Piper put it. Our security is in God's infallible commitment 
infallible commitment, His commitment to fulfill the conditions of heaven. The meaning of verse 5 is God has a commitment and He will fulfill it. If you remember Peter, and I think, Bob, you were talking about this last week. And you sum all this up, and you, you think about this. What, what, does, what is this verse 5 all about? You think of Luke 21, verse 31 32. It's about time to close this thing up. But this is a good way to uh, end on. Luke 22, 31, 32. This is, this is Peter. And here's Jesus. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, <laughs> strengthen your brothers. Okay, He did fail in the sense that he denied the Lord three times. But his faith never failed. And the reason it didn't, because we have the intercessor, Jesus Christ. And with him interceding for us, how can we ever lose? He says, and he prayed. And you'll notice, he prayed to the Father uh, that that would happen. That ultimately, Peter's faith would not fail. And he asked, God the Father to let Peter's faith make sure it doesn't come to an end. And what he did, he forged the link, I guess you can say, uh, this link of faithfulness, that's really, this is God doing this, in Peter, even with that awful night that he went through, there is the forging of, again, those chains as they're they're coming together. And and, uh, so... Who brought him back from that moment of unbelief that he had? We can all fail God real easily. But the thing is, who gave him tears of remorse? Who gave him that repentance? There was somebody else who repented. He was sorry for what he did. His name was Judas. But he wasn't a chosen one. And there, those tears weren't of remorse. It was, he was sorry for what he did. Yeah, but here in this case, he knew what he did to his Lord. And God is the one who brought him to that point. So Peter knows firsthand what he's talking about. So I, so I take that to the John 21, and you were relating this to last week there, Bob, where you have Jesus and Peter there on the beach, Sea of Galilee, and Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? What's happening there? Well, he's restoring him back to that fellowship, and um, so that he could he could serve the Lord and, and feed the people. What's that? I think you have a three and three there. I think you know that's I think that's probably instrumental there, and I'm sure that Peter <laughs> realized that, and that it really struck a struck a tone. Um, Peter knows, though, that we're, we're protected by the power of God. Jesus Himself said, Hey, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. But I do want to tell you, 
after all this has happened. I, I prayed for you, and you're going to get through this. And when you, when you're through, and when you're restored, then you go feed my my, my flock. <laughs> uh, boy, God. So He creates our faith. He causes us to be born again, creates our faith, and then He protects us all the way on into heaven by preserving our faith. That's how come we know that we have eternal security. Because if it were, if it were us to keep it going, which here is what, and it saddens me, at least half the denominations and maybe more believe you can lose your salvation. That is doubting what Peter is writing here just in these verses. Do you see what I mean? That that is so sad that they could teach that. The, The chain of salvation is forged by God. And it's glorious and it's invincible. And we have a great God and a great Savior. Amen. And when we think of this time, isn't it amazing? Wow, look what He has for us now. But even more so, look what's coming. So if we keep that in mind, the next time something goes against us, just go back to this section. Alden, would it be okay to close us there?